Hi, Ravia. I went first today. <laughs> I know. I said, it's I so heard. cute. I love it. Look I at wanted your to sweet surprise little, you. I love it. Look at your sweet little smile. How was your holiday weekend? It was good. We had a I had a Friendsgiving on 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 Thanksgiving because uh, it was like my first Thanksgiving without my dad, and then my sister was out of the country, and it was just like. I'm going to be really sad unless I have people I love around me. So I just invited – we had a game night. I had a lot of fun. And tur- What games do you play? play? What's like on your game night agenda? Taboo is always a must. We play Taboo and then we play Mafia. Yeah, those are the two games we had time for. We played for like maybe 90 minutes, but brisket turned out great. Turkey turned out great. So it was a good night. What about you, Ellen? I also love games. Big, big gamer. We I had Thanksgiving also at a friend's house, and then my neighbors and I – we're supposed to do Friendsgiving. And we were like, whose house do you want to do it at? And wh- one of my neighbors was like, oh, we're going to be gone all day. So then I said, okay, well, we can host it at my house. And then my other neighbor said, my son is going to come with his girlfriend and I have more seats. Mm-hmm. And I answered that text in my head, <laughs> which is weird that they didn't hear it. So then yesterday at seven o'clock, all my them? neighbors showed up at my front door. Oh, that's amazing. And I was like, what are you guys doing here? And they're like, Friendsgiving. I was like, no, it's at Amy's. And they're like, no, it's here. And I was like, no, I said, because Amy has more chairs. And they're like, you never answered. I was like, I did in my head. So that's on you. <laughs> it totally is on so them. I ended up. That's Ellen math. For- <laughs> yeah. <laughs> like if you can't hear the texts that in my head, I don't know what to tell you. Like that's yeah. not my responsibility. <laughs> so you just ended up hosting and did Amy and her boy son and girlfriend all of them come over? Yeah, they all came over. I mean everybody brought food. It wasn't like I was responsible for that, yeah. but I like my that my table wasn't set. But let me tell you, ADHD when that shit locks, my house was prepped in 11 minutes. It it looked like a fucking magazine cover. Your in house does it anyways. Every time I come, I'm just like, it is so it's it's just like joyous. It's just so beautiful wow. and artsy and it's so you. It's so pretty. It's so pretty. I appreciate yeah. that. You know, I that was a goal because I've always lived with men yeah. and my ex was actually a great interior designer, Ooh. but it wasn't really my style. It was very masculine. And I was like, you know what? This is my home. I am a very I, I enjoy a feminine style. Yeah. Um, we're going to live in that. So guess what? Pink mauve couches for everyone, yeah. you know, but it's not like it's not like a little girl's room feminine type of thing, right? It's not like that. It it is it is so it's a mature womanly feminine energy. It's just beautiful. Oh, it's just artsy, it's you. beautiful. I love it. Thank you. But anyway, I ended up posting. So, welcome everyone to Rabia and Ellen solve the case. This is our bi-weekly show called About Damn Crime where Rabia and I talk about a couple things in the true crime world, the crime world, the world, anything we want to talk about. And we offer this every other week on our general feed and every week on our Patreon. We also have a couple more things on our Patreon. We just did a couple more things with Maggie Freeling. We have another couple more things for next week's episode that I'm so excited to record. So if you would like that, plus our watch parties, ad-free tiers, and an opportunity to sit here while we record and be one of our star witnesses that sits and chats with us, which has honestly turned into one of my favorite things in the week, all of those tiers are available to you on our Patreon. That is patreon.com slash... Robbie and Ellen. You got this. Solve the case. Robbie and Ellen. That's right. Ellen. You can find everything there. And it just gives us a little <laughs> bit, uh, it just gives us the opportunity to bring you a little bit more content. And we are so grateful. What is it, Robbie? Oh my gosh. Woo. That was like one breath, girlfriend. You are a pro, but also I did try to interrupt you and I don't think you heard me or you were just like in your head. Um, no, you said Becky Freeling. So I said, oh, you mean Maggie, but it's cool. I'm like, maybe her name's Becky. What did I say? Becky. It's all good. You said Becky. I said Becky? Yeah, you did. <laughs> Who's Becky? I don't know who Becky is. Did I say Becky? <laughs> uh, did she say Becky? I said Becky. I heard Becky. Well, also everyone, I have, welcome I, to the show. I have ADHD. And again, it is your responsibility to decipher what I'm saying. I can't do everything. Yeah, and I just need to be louder and scre- and yellier. Um because you can't hear me. I want you guys to know, this is how I have Rebecca Lavoie saved. Can you see that? What does it say on my phone? 
Rebecca, Rebecca with the good Rebecca with the good hair. It's Rebecca. Rebecca with the good hair. I should cover her phone number up. See that? Anyway. Rebecca with the good hair. Yeah. All right. So with that, we are going to bring you some top stories. I am amped about both of my stories today. Mm. So we're going to be here for a minute. So if you are watching us on YouTube, grab a sandwich. If you're listening to us in the car, this is this is going to be a two work and back episode because I'm excited because I saw your post on Facebook and uh, I saw the angry face and I'm like, oh God, what is this about? And I want folks to know, Ellen and I show up to talk about what we want to talk about. We have no idea what the other person's going to talk about. I've got like four stories, but I won't go into real depth on each one of them. But anyhow. Well, then you start since you have more. I have two. I actually had three, but this morning I I was like, I'm only going to go on these two because I feel like one of them is going to take me an hour and a half and the other one is going to take me another hour and a half. So I, I, I hope you're all hydrated. All right. Okay. So I will begin. Um, one of the first stories that I want to talk about caught my eye on TikTok because, you know, TikTok is a real robust place for true crime. It actually and, is. Yeah. You can get a lot of... But here's the thing. This caught my eye and I'm like, well, this is absolutely atrocious. And then I did a little digging. All right. So I saw a TikTok. I'm not going to like name who the TikToker was. And he talked about how this man who was chief of staff for the Pentagon school system, which by the way, I didn't know the Pentagon had a school system. Uh, His name is Stephen Francis Hovenick, was arrested on November 15th in a human trafficking sting in Georgia. All right. So According to the, if you watch just the TikTok, you're going to be like, oh my God, he was part of, like, he was arrested in human trafficking stink. He was human trafficking. You know, this guy's outraged, the TikToker. And then you start digging into the story and you realize the guy was, and, and he is of this, you know, very well ranked position in the, uh, the Defense Department, was arrested for something called pandering. Do you know what pandering is? I just feel like when somebody panders to your ego, that's all I can think yeah. of. It's a really weird term for what he was arrested for. He was arrested for solicitation. He was set up by an undercover officer arrested for soliciting a prostitute who was who was playing a sex worker. And he was arrested for that. Was the sex worker under age or was it of legal? No. Nope. 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 Okay. Not underage. She was not a victim of trafficking. She was an officer, an actual law enforcement She was an adult. And so the sheriff's office, uh, Sergeant Toby Nick says, pandering is not a victimless crime as the demand for prostitution drives the sex trafficking market. And I was like, I'm not saying I feel like, I mean, I do feel sorry for this guy because the headlines are screaming that he, and he's being named, is someone arrested in a sex trafficking sting but he is not part of any sex trafficking he was so he, he hired a sex worker. a sex worker he tried to right and then he got arrested for it and that's what's called pandering in georgia which is just the weirdest most i don't know antiquated term i've ever heard but um so this raised a couple of issues for me number one is the fact that we all fall so quickly for like what we like social media outrage right Clickbait. without doing a little digging sure Right, clickbait. So now, if you if you hear the story, like, and I, Ellen, did you see these headlines? By the way, this particular one, this story, I didn't, yeah. No. Did you, okay, but if you had, you would not have guessed. I did not guess that what he was in fact arrested for had nothing to really, not nothing, but was not a he wasn't directly sex trafficking. No, I think actually that's a really. It actually is a very dangerous to say that someone soliciting sex work is sex trafficking because sex trafficking is an epidemic and it is scary and it is dangerous. And misusing that is not only unethical, that is confusing people. And that is a very, yeah. very separate issue. It's like when people if you, there are certain words that you really, really can't misuse that can be very dangerous yeah. because they hold so much gravitas. They hold so much weight. I feel like sex trafficking is one of them. Oh, 100%. Listen, Rabia, we have so many friends and listeners who have small businesses. Mm-hmm. And there is so much that goes into growing a business. It's everything rests on your shoulders when you're a small business, from social media to getting your products to all kinds of customer service. But Shopify is here and it is here to help. Yep. Shopify is the global commerce platform that helps you sell at every stage of your business, from the launcher online shop stage to the first real life 
store stage all the way to, did we just hit a million order stage? Hopefully, if you're listening to this, you have. Shopify helps you sell everywhere from their all-in-one e-commerce platform to in-person point of sale. Wherever you are, whatever you're selling, Shopify is there and it has you covered. Shopify powers 10% of all e-commerce in the U.S. That's a lot. And Shopify is the global force behind Allbirds, Rothy's, Brooklinen, and millions of other entrepreneurs of every size across 175 countries. It does. It takes so much to make your small business grow, but Shopify is there to make it just a little bit easier. So sign up for a $1 per month trial period at shopify.com slash solve the case. And that's all in lowercase letters. Go to shopify.com slash solve the case all in lowercase, now to grow your business no matter what stage you're in. Shopify.com slash solve the case. Cha-ching. <laughs> oh, yeah, they have that cute little sound. Cha-ching. Every time yep. you make a sale, we hope you hear that and a lot with your Shopify. Yeah. Sex trafficking is a very specific particular thing, right? Like we understand that. And I have never connected. And so this guy, this Sergeant Nix, who's like, the demand for prostitution drives the sex, sex trafficking market. He, what he's saying is, you know, all all the customers of sex workers are now are are now basically sex trafficking perps. But you know, and then there's, so there's the issue of like the social media stuff and how like we should really be really careful when we see these videos or see any of these headlines to do a little digging ourselves because the story is often not the same. And I'm like this particular TikToker, and it wasn't just him. I saw this like because then I followed you know from him to another account to another account to another, and it's like did any of you actually read like what this guy did at all? Um, and then the second thing is like we are at the end of 2023. Should pandering even be a chargeable offense at this point? I think that's a great conversation. I also think that it is a, a personal preference. I mean. If a person engages in sex work and it is their legitimate job, there are people who are very... Who choose it. Choose it. They're very high profile. They're very proud. They offer... And sometimes it's not just sex. There are people who are professional cuddlers out there. How people choose to spend their... They are. There, there are people who are professional cuddlers. I just... I said nothing. I just... No, I know. I, saw, like, I saw your face in confusion. <laughs> but that is such a bigger conversation about how somebody chooses to live, if they are safe, if they are doing it of their own free will. Right. That right. is totally separate. And the fact that they spent time and resources to have a whole sting for this man who was yeah. who was engaging in sex work. I mean, did they talk to the sex worker? Did she speak out? Was she like... No, no, it wasn't a real sex oh, worker. Right, it was an right, undercover right, officer. Right, right. Yeah, it wasn't I even mean, a real sex worker. They're not underage. Sex yeah. trafficking is dangerous. It is violent. It's it is yeah. very different. And, and sex, look, sex, uh, people, not just women, people who have been trafficked, sex trafficked, can end up being forced into doing sex work. That is definitely a thing. That is not what was happening here. And why isn't why aren't your tax dollars being used to find those people? And the people doing the sex trafficking versus setting up a, an undercover officer to get this guy. Now, listen, I have always been that person. I, I what, were the, what was that TV show that always have the stings where these guys are talking to like 13-year-old They think they're talking to 12-year-old girls. To catch a predator. I was like, oh, get that bastard. Yeah. yeah. I'm on board with those Absolutely. things. I'm on board. That is disgusting. If you listen, I think not. You know my feelings on that. This is why I'm not in yeah. law enforcement because those people deserve to go to prison and throw away the key when you're hurting a child. But if they are two consenting yeah. adults, and right. again, there are different levels of this. There are women who, who sex work is legitimate work, whether yeah. or not you agree with it. Yeah. Your morality aside, right. Josh makes a really good point, actually. He says sex trafficking would decrease tremendously if sex work wasn't banned or treated the way it was. And that's probably true because when you re it's it's like marijuana. When you regulate an industry and you decriminalize it, then there's less incentive for the trafficking trafficking to happen. And the other thing I think about is the fact that, you know, people get sexual gratification and pay for sexual gratification in lots of different ways. Like feet pictures, right, Ellen? We had this conversation earlier today. Yes. Um <laughs> I was encouraging Rabia to sell her feet pictures if we're ever in a pinch. 
financially. We can always do that. Rabia and Ellen, they're hideous. Solve your wallet <laughs> by selling feet pictures. It's it's not illegal, and your feet are quite frankly adorable. Well, like I said, they shouldn't see the light of day. However, just don't take me down that road, Ellen. I'm already here. Just I can't go any further down that road. That is very unfair, and something that we always have to keep in mind. Listen. I find a lot of things on TikTok, but I, like you, will find them on TikTok and then do my own research. But you have to remember, these content creators are getting paid per view, per like, per click. Yep. So yep. to make yep. something more salacious is yep. within their financial benefit. So saying yeah. a guy got caught with an undercover sex worker doesn't really yeah. have a ring now, like caught in a sex trafficking you know, network, yeah. which is incorrect and unfair. I mean, far be it for yeah. me to protect some random white man in Georgia, but... Shame on the uh, TikTokers doing it, but also they're getting their information directly from uh, the county because the, the police department is like, he, they are they are saying this is part of our, our sex trafficking sting. Like this is, this they think this is how they have done the sting. The sting for them is part of their fighting sex trafficking work. So that's how they're framing it, and people are just accepting it and spitting it out, and I think it's bullshit. I think – did you ever – did you follow the Aziz Ansari story where a woman came out and said she was sexually assaulted yeah. by him? Again, yes. it was – and it turned out – I was like, you're actually you're actually perpetuating a dangerous narrative. What did it turn out? Because I don't remember. It I was remember a really that shitty it kind date. of fizzled away. It was a really shitty – It was a shitty date. Shitty that's what he – yeah, I remember that's what he said. And yeah. like – that that it was so offensive to women who have experienced sexual assault. And of course, when I read it, I was like, Aziz and sorry, fucking asshole. And then I read more and yeah, I was yeah. like, look at me. Look at me automatically yeah. hopping on that bandwagon. When I read her description of the night, I was like, that was just a bad date. And you didn't like mm -hmm. him. And that's fair. Yeah. But you can't yeah. but use. But it, it did. It did pretty much ruin him in a lot of ways. You can't use yeah. words. You can't use sex trafficking or sexual assault, or you can't use those words irresponsibly. Yeah, my guess is I may be wrong. She was probably trying to get some kind of settlement. Yeah. Out of it. You were using I mean, the Me Too movement, and you actually yeah. just proved the point that look at see sometimes women lie, sometimes women yeah. exaggerate. You actually make yeah. us look worse when you do things like that. I actually – so w was that guy arrested and charged? What were his charges? Just pandering? Pandering is his charge. I think I, – I don't know if he's been – I think he's been released on bond or something. But, yeah, I mean, it doesn't matter. Like, his name and face is all over the place as somebody who's, like, sex trafficker now. There are some words that really need to be reined in. It's like when people are like, oh, I'm an empath. I'm like, you actually don't know what that means, Deborah. You just cry a lot and you're a bitch. You're not an empath, okay? <laughs> that, oh, my boyfriend was a narcissist. Was he or was he just kind of an asshole? It's – anyway – Think, yes, I, I want to look into that. All right. I don't know where to start. Should I start with the lighter one? Yes. That I have a lot to say about or the more true crime one that I have a lot to say about? The lighter one. The lighter one. one. All right. Here we go, Rabia. All right. That's what I'm feeling. Buckle up. Rabia, do you know who Matt Reif is? I, no. Oh, boy. Here we go. Okay. So Matt Reif is a handsome, by all accounts, cis het man who has entered the find out portion of the fuck around. Mm. So, Rabia, I'll give you a really quick uh, overview. But handsome, you say. I gotta look he's, him up. He's, he's statistically handsome. He's not my type. He's a little too pretty for me. I don't trust men that are prettier than me. Oh, yeah, he's beautiful. Yeah, but you know what I mean? He's like just like a little too pretty. Does everybody yeah. know who he is? Okay, I'm just looking in the chat here. So Matt Reif is a comic, and he gained catastrophic popularity on TikTok. And he was on shows like Wild and Out, Brooklyn Nine-Nine. And so he just got a Netflix special. Now, Rabia, people have specials all the time. He's had specials. He's mm. had tours. But getting a Netflix special, that is catastrophic, right? So he made an 
opening joke. Well, actually, before I say that, it should be said his audience is about 85% women. And he's gone on several podcasts and he's talked about his women audience and how much they love him. So his first joke was this. I've only been to Baltimore one time. I ate lunch there and the hostess who like seats you at the restaurant had a black eye. <laughs> a full black eye. And it wasn't like, what happened? Yeah, it was pretty obvious what happened. And we couldn't get over the fact that we're like, this is the face of the company? Like, this is, this is who you have greeting people? And my boy who I was with was like, yeah, I feel bad for her, man. I feel like they should you know, put her in the kitchen or something where nobody, <laughs> where nobody has to see her face, you know? And I was like, yeah, but I feel like if she could cook, she wouldn't have that black eye. <laughs> so. Okay. So before I launch... The other night I was watching the special and I was on our close friends circle on my uh, I Think Not's Instagram. And I kept saying, am I in a bad mood? Why do I not think this is funny? Because I find his TikToks, he normally does crowd work. Like he'll talk to the crowd and he'll have a really mm -hmm. fast, funny quip. And he's really good at off the cuff. But this show wasn't funny. And I kept saying, am I, in a, you know, when you're just like, not, maybe I'm not in the mood to yeah. laugh, but it just wasn't funny. So a bunch of people came out and it stirred up a big stink about this joke. That was like his opening joke. Okay. Now I'll get into the kind of comedy that I like. I don't mind dark humor. Right. But everybody mm -hmm. was talking about this domestic violence joke. So then yeah. he took, you're not going to catch your breath. He took to his Instagram and said, if you've ever been offended by a joke I've told, tap here for my official apology to solve the issue. When you tap the link, it brought you to a site that sells helmets to protect against head trauma for individuals with special needs. Wow. The double down. Okay. Now, I want to get your perspective on this, but I want to say a couple things. I never want to live in a world where it's socially unacceptable to joke around. I love laughing at trauma. My trauma. Mm. Now, listen, this man, women love him. He's handsome. And here's the thing. Matt Reif hated that. He hated, it's not that he doesn't have trauma, okay? His dad died by suicide when he wasn't even two years old. Comedy is so powerful, not just in my world. I think that comedy can teach, comedy can open up conversations, it can start discussions. I do believe it can have positive social influence. Laughter makes us feel better. It cures us even just for a moment. But comedy is an art form, okay? Because I can laugh at dark shit. I can. Domestic violence, I think, is where I draw the line. However, they hearkened back to a lot of other comedians that use domestic violence. Now, I want to show you this mm -hmm. clip. I was just thinking about that. I'm like, this sounds like something, like the kind of jokes you would have heard like in the 80s and 90s, like old Correct. Yeah. Like we can hearken yeah. back to like Andrew Dice Clay. Yeah. But I want to play you a really famous clip. And I want you to explain, and the jury box as well here in the audience, I want you to explain why these two clips are so different. Because I'm going to take you to Eddie Murphy. My mom's one of them, them sisters you don't hit. You can't hit sisters, period. Remember in the old days when you could beat up a woman? Remember that shit back in the 20s? Guys just smack their wives in the movies. They psh, and they'll just go, oh. You can't do shit like that no more. Women be taking aerobics. They'll fuck you up now. It's scary too, man. Especially a black woman. You hit a black woman, she lose her mind and shit. Seriously, they go crazy. You can have a real timid sister for a girl and smack it be like, I'm gonna kill you, motherfucker. You don't hit me, goddamn. You don't hit me, shit. No, motherfucker, you don't hit me. You don't put your hands in my face. My father don't put his hand in my face. 
Okay. So people were saying, like, what about Eddie Murphy? Mm-hmm. So the thing that Eddie Murphy does brilliantly there is he flips the script, right? Because in joking, there's a whole theory in comedy about punching down. You know, you never right, want right, to punch right. down. Comedy mm-hmm. should be at the expense of the perpetrator, not the victim. And to me, that's the only way you can talk about edgy topics in a funny way. I mean, like, how has South Park been around for 500 years, right? Satire. Right. But the thing that Eddie Murphy does, number one, he's a brilliant comedian, but he takes the victim and puts the victim in the place of power. While Matt Reif is like, get back to the kitchen, didn't I already tell you once? Which that goes back to like Jackie Gleason, pow, zoom, right to the moon, Alice, right? Yeah, yeah. And maybe she had it, and she had it coming. Yeah. And Eddie Murphy is saying, women aren't going to put up with this shit anymore. You know, he's ultimately empowering rather than devaluing. And you can go back to Lenny Bruce, George Carlin, Richard Pryor, the legends of comedy that use their microphones and their platforms to talk about shit that is scary and hard without making women the butt of the joke and then doubling down on special needs. So there is a huge back and forth about, first of all, the rest of the special wasn't funny. Yeah. I'm like, didn't he run this past somebody? Like it truthfully, wh- I am not kidding. I was shocked at how not funny he mm. was. Maybe he's only good on like TikTok or something. Yeah. I just like if you use comedy to reinforce existing power imbalances, you're not funny. Like the black yeah. eye joke, like Fucking Jesus was telling that joke at the Last Supper. That joke is so fucking old. You know, yeah, it's like, yeah. and here's the here's the last thing I'm gonna say, and, and then I want to I want to hear your take on it. But like, most people are not comedians, right? There are people that yeah. are funny. Most people are not comedians, and most people, no matter what, are gonna be sensitive to jokes designed specifically to hurt them the way Dave Chappelle hurt the trans community, the way Andrew Dice Clay hurt the LGBT community, the the way Roseanne Barr hurt the black community. And all those people are allowed to feel that way. So DV survivors are allowed to be hurt by Matt Reif. And then there are a bunch of people on the internet being like, it's a joke. Then you can't take comedy. We all want to laugh at the human condition. We all want to laugh at ourselves. But one of my favorite stand-up comedy shows is Kevin Hart's Laugh at My Pain. And he laughs Mm. at his dad being incarcerated, being, you know, addicted to drugs and his life. But he gives us the opportunity Because he says it's okay to laugh. You can't be a cis het white man standing there talking about DV and asking your audience to laugh. I I, look at my arms. Like I I it incenses me. What are your thoughts? No, I mean I'm I think you did a masterful job of articulating when when and how it's okay, like what are the boundaries around this kind of dark humor, right? Like when is it kosher and when is it not? And even without saying it, like we, and if you are a decent human being, you will instinctively react to this, you know, clip of Matt, like what? But react to Eddie Murphy in a different way. Because even if you don't know like intellectually, like what what kind of the, the rules of the game should be, it just hits you wrong. And you're exactly right. Now, if he had gone on, if that joke about, you know, the server with the black eye had, he had somehow turned it around and said, well, you know, her, I'm, I'm hoping her man was in the back with two black eyes or something like, you know, like, yes. her, like right, right. Like then, 
we would have laughed laughed along with him. But you know, some uh, in the chat, I'm I'm seeing people talk about whether or not Netflix is going to take it. Now, Net, didn't Netflix give Chappelle also like a, a couple of extra new specials after like all this stuff? You know, I mean, so I don't know. It, and people pe- people still show up and laugh. People are there. People are laughing in this audience and defending him, and that's the problem. And at the end of the day the market will speak. We'll see if he gets any more shows. And who knows? He might always have an audience of assholes yeah. who laugh along with you him. You are yep. entitled to that. You are entitled to your freedom of speech, just like I am entitled not to like it. I just, I'm not, I don't classify myself as a comedian, but I love comedy. I tell everybody you're a comedian. I'm like, my co-host is but, a Broadway but you know what I mean? comedian. But like, I just think yeah. that a laugh shouldn't come at the expense of yeah. someone's identity or from a person being attacked, let alone a marginalized community, unless they're saying it's okay. Ali Wong can laugh at her Asian family. Maz Jabrani mm-hmm. laughs at his family. John Mulaney yeah. can laugh at his substance abuse disorder. And we are allowed to laugh with it because they say it's okay. So that's when it is absolutely okay. But like, I mean, listen, my man, you absolutely are entitled to do it. But you know who soared to the top of the comedy mountain? Andrew Dice Clay. And you look at it Mm. and his career crumbled as fast as it built up. And, you know, Andrew Dice Clay said he was like playing a character, you know, very Andy Kaufman, very Sam Kinison, Bobcat, you know. Like he was, it's kind of like Borat where he's kind of making fun of this character, basically. But what value is there in punching down? It is cheap. It's not funny. Mm -hmm. You know, like Joey can laugh at his gay ass and Mm -hmm. you can laugh along with it. But it's, it, it just, and the internet, Rabia, is so divided. There are people doubling down, but guess what the demographic is? doubling down in his favor oh is it women it's mo- it's a lot of men and a couple pick me women it's mostly white men who never even listened oh, to him well, in the first place yeah. and now he's like yeah that's what i thought i thought most of his um most of his comedy was oh is he just does he not realize most of his audience is women oh, no. i mean like he absolutely does and i think he was sick of it and i think he mm. wanted a new demographic and i think he got what he asked for Okay, well, you know, he can line up with the Andrew Tates, I guess, and uh, yeah. if, if that's the crowd he's looking for. You, you don't, you don't he, know comedy. Is, you, you can't laugh. Yeah. No, bitch, I can laugh He'll at everything. He'll be at the next uh, Republican National Convention, probably. Okay, well, I mean, it's a crime, Susan. Uh, I called you Susan Ellen. <laughs> uh, Me and Susan Simpson are nothing alike. You're nothing alike, but you're both incredible, remarkable women. I love you you both. I love you too. I must miss her. I should check in on her. Um, No, the funny thing is I just got an email from Colin. Maybe that's where Susan came into my brain. Um, No, but I, even though this is not like exactly true crime, but I do think this is like important to talk about. I mean, well, because it's it's talking about how we talk about domestic violence and we do talk about domestic violence a lot. And we were talking a couple weeks ago about how men need to stand up for us But Matt Reif took it upon himself to make the actual statistics of domestic violence the butt of his opening joke. You watch the entire special. Does he ever go on to rehabilitate that? Like, say, by the way. I watched about 40 minutes and I was like, no, no, I think this is actually not funny. And I turned it off. And then that thing linking to the helmets, I. There's a special place in hell for you, my man. You're going to make fun of people with. Special yeah. me. Yeah. That's a no from me, dog. Like a, a real asshole. He's, he sounds like a like a jerky 17-year-old. I mean, like, really. Like, that seems like the level of his humor. I, and I know nothing about this guy. But then, so these are the two clips I'm basing this off of, or the two things I'm basing it off of. But, uh, well, I mean, uh, the market will speak, and we'll see how things go for him. But like I said, this is the sad thing about our world, that you can kind of find an audience for anything. <laughs> yeah. No matter how disgusting it is. There were a couple yeah. people in the chat, and we can we – can, talk about it another time. And he's not the first, you know, I listed a couple. There are so many problematic comedians, but I, but also we don't have to watch your specials. Exactly. Yeah. Skip. There's so many good ones. Yeah. There's so many amazing. There's so many. Yeah. All right. Um. Okay. So 
I will move on to the next story that I have. And there's not a lot to go on here, but I do think it's something that's important to keep your eye on. And that is that the new, the mayor of New York City, who already has like corruption, I think like a corruption investigation again, open against him, has just been accused of a 1993 sexual assault. Have you heard about mm-hmm. this? Do you hear about this? Okay. Eric Adams. So the plaintiff was sexually assaulted by defendant Eric Adams in New York, New York in 1993, while they both worked for the city of New York, according to a summons filed in the New York County Supreme Court. So the filing alleges sexual assault, battery, and employment discrimination, retaliation, hostile work environment, and intentional infliction of emotional distress. A spokesperson for City Hall said the mayor does not even know who this person is. If they ever met, he doesn't recall it. But he would never do anything to physically harm another person and vigorously denies any such claim. 1993. That's a long time ago. Now, what's interesting is that the claims, this claim, you would think 1993 to 2023, that's, I don't even know, I can't do math. Was that 20 years, 30 years? That's a lot of years. 30 years. That the statute of limitations might have expired. However, yeah, there is a law that was signed just like last year in May 2022 called New York's Adult Survivors Act. It is set to expire like this week. And when the law was signed, um, after six months, it, it went into effect and it gave a one-year window for adult survivors of sexual offenses to sue their alleged abusers, even if the statute, if their statute of limitations had long expired. So it's really interesting. It like reopened the statute of limitations this window for one year, which is a weird thing to me. I don't know. Like it seems so arbitrary to me because a lot of people are not keeping on top of like legislation and what are the new laws and do I have? I mean, I just feel like there's certain things like sexual assault like murder, that should not have a statute of limitations. That's how I feel about this. Anyhow, so right now, the complaint's just been filed. Uh, I'm guessing it's going to open an investigation into him. Whether or not he's arrested for it and charged with it, I don't know. This is just an accusation right now. He denies even knowing. Now, it's not going to be hard to prove whether or not this person was worked. Because he's like, I don't even know who that is. But this person's saying we work together which would probably mean there are other people who are witnesses who also worked with them, at least witnesses to the fact that they did work together. But, you know, maybe Eric Adams doesn't remember this particular person. Let me ask you a question. Not that the devil needs an advocate because he doesn't. I hate it when people say that. Does it say in what capacity they worked? I mean, because I could, well, I, I have it 30 years yeah. ago. I mean, you know, I was just oh, yeah, born, yeah, yeah. but I could, you know, if that was, <laughs> if it was, you know, somebody who yeah. worked a hundred percent. I, I, you ask me who I worked with like, fi- you know, 15 years earlier. I-, I won't know. I don't remember. I'll remember faces. I don't remember the name, but if this is a person who's saying that Eric sexually assaulted them, and right. unless, unless Eric Adams like, well, which one was she? Cause there were a whole lot of them. Yeah. There's always that. I, I but mean, 30 years yeah. ago, you're not gonna there I Rabia, there's some things I don't remember from my twenties. But I'm not I'm not defending. I'm just I'm just throwing Lushy. these out there yeah. because I actually not that I have any call I, I don't love I don't love him. He's not a great guy. He turned out to not yeah. be do a very great job, so I have no reason to defend him. But I could see a world in which someone's like, I don't know who that is. There are people that but I here's the interesting thing. Well, he d- they do say that he he would he would this is the language he would never do anything to physically harm another person, and vigorously denies any such claim. I guess that is like as direct as he can be in saying I have never said. But I I would I would be more receptive to his his denial if he said I have never sexually assaulted anybody in my life. Right. This is ridiculous. I don't know who she is, but I've never sexually assaulted. And I feel like it's kind of like the language is kind of couched and he doesn't say that. Um, But, you know, he's saying he denies any such claim so that he physically harmed another person. I mean, we'll see. I guess we shall see. But what what do you think about the statute of limitations issue, which is kind of also what I want to talk about here? I think this is a really interesting piece of legislation. I don't understand exactly. I I'm, I think it's it's good to have to give, you know, sexual assault uh, victims the opportunity if they had missed the statute of limitations. But why make it this weird one year window? I don't get that. And maybe because they just think it would be, you know, too crazy too much. I mean, I think 
the thing that comes up for me is I think, well, 1993, no emails, no texts, no ring cameras. I just think it's so hard to prove. I understand why people don't come mm-hmm. forward. And I, and you know, like with the whole Brett Kavanaugh thing, I mean, that woman had all, all kinds of like yeah. random paper trails, but not everybody has yeah. that. It's so much easier to say, yeah. these were the voicemails he left me. These were the texts he left me. These were the harassing messages yeah. I got. My worry is that when cases are that old, I understand that the trauma might still be there. But coming back to putting on your brain for a second, how can you prove that legally? That becomes yeah. complicated, I would imagine. Yeah. I mean, look, I when I think back to like this, my sexual assault, um, even then, and I was in law school when it happened, even then I was like, if I go to the police, I it's just he said, she said, I have a no evidence otherwise. Like I don't. And, and so I was like that. And also I, I just didn't want to go through all of that. I didn't want to deal with, I didn't want my family to know. I didn't want the world to know. I didn't want to testify. I didn't want to do any of that, but I did immediately think, what evidence do I have? You know, I don't, I never did. And I, and that's why so many people get away with this stuff because the, the victim survivors cannot bring forth evidence. I will say this, the fact that a claim has been actually filed through an attorney, assumingly, um, means that there's got to be some basis, like some foundation. Like you can't just go to a lawyer and be like, I'm telling you this happened, file a complaint, right? Like there has to be some corroborating evidence. So it could be contemporaneous witnesses that this Mm -hmm. victim told at the Mm -hmm. time. So they have affidavits of other people. It could be a diary she wrote. There, there could be stuff. Sure. There. Yeah. And I hope for her yeah. sake there is, you know, if, if it is all true. Um, Abby makes a good point about the statute of limitations in the chat. She says probably because that was a compromise from the naysayers, you know, saying, mm. OK, we'll do it. Mm, but, yeah. you know, only for a year. So um, and then someone else said in the chat, the Southern Baptists are currently fighting to have the statute of limitations for child rape because they covered up so much. The lawsuit in Kentucky has nothing to do with them. They're just establishing a precedent. Wow. Mm. Yeah, of course. It's, if someone if someone has something to hide, they're like, oh, the statute of limitations has been reached. You know, that's oh, I... we'll say. Do you since you have four, do you want to go or do you want me to do another one? The fourth one is really I can just mention it because there's not much to say other than just tell people this happened. And everybody remember? Does anybody remember Derek Chauvin? You should. Oh that yes, name. I was about. I have yeah. this. I, this was the one I cut from my list. Okay, well, Go ahead. I, I want to mention it. The man got stabbed in prison. You know, he is serving. Um, I think a, serving a twenty-one year or twenty-two year sentence for basically murdering George Floyd. Right? Remember when he sat on his neck for nine minutes on camera while this man said, "I cannot breathe." Um, he was stabbed by a fellow prisoner. So I, I don't think it has anything to do with. The crime he was convicted of, I'm guessing it was just like a interpersonal conflict type of thing, or maybe the, I mean, because it wouldn't have taken that long to stab this guy if it, if it was about George Floyd. He was in protect, he was in solitary though. Guys like that are in solitary. He was in solitary. Before, before he moved in with his cell, with his cellmate? Yeah. Like this, this is a cellmate who stabbed him. Yeah. No, but he was in solitary for a really long time. Yes, I agree. I'm surprised it's taken this long for him to be stabbed. But I also think <laughs> men like that in prison culture, because I know so much about prison culture, I do believe they have it's like a, a trophy. Yeah, yeah, yeah. hundred you know? percent. People like I mean, uh, yeah, people like that. Well, I mean, I just wanted to mention it happened. Yeah. He has survived it and so, you know, fuck. Yeah, him, it's care. like the guy uh Larry Nass <laughs> uh Larry Nasser, the yeah. he was stabbed too. You know, so I, I think it's it's less to do about their crime and more. Well, he also had a crime against children and in prison. Men mm-hmm. who who commit crimes against children are, are usually violently hurt in prison. Yeah, I, I don't say I'm not here to say that I I advocate for that. But I'm not overly concerned. He's he he survived it. He'll be OK. Strong agree. So today there is a sentencing hearing for a conviction that took place in Texas last week. And I want to tell you a little bit about it before I go into thoughts on it. So on May 9th, 2014, at about 5.45 a.m., a man by the name of Marvin Guy, who was 49 at the time, was sleeping in his home, and the police conducted a no-knock drug raid. 
So what happened was the SWAT teams came in. They smashed his bedroom window. They broke into his home through the front door with a battering ram. And they also detonated a uh, tear gas grenade. And God almighty. So Guy, the person whose home was being invaded, obviously thought that he there was an intruder. His home was being broken into. It was 545. He was asleep. Now, one of the other reasons besides people batting down your home, he thought it was an intruder that the week before one of his neighbors had a break in and she was sexually assaulted. So Guy allegedly hit, grabbed, oh, a forensic expert analyzed that he had a Taurus nine millimeter pistol. I don't know what that is. And I thought it was an ugly car that Ford made in the 90s. But he had that gun and he shot, I think, seven shots. Don't quote me on that. But he did hit four officers and one officer by the name of Chuck Dinwiddie died from from the shot. So basically his stance was that he was having an invasion and he was self-defending himself. Now, remember that Texas has the stand your ground law, right? You can stand your ground in your home if you perceive a deadly threat. However, that protection is null and void if that person is engaged in police activity. So they came in because it was it it was a no-knock warrant and they had a tip that guy had been dealing cocaine from his apartment which allowed him to break into the apartment um, without identifying themselves now the prosecution attests that guy somehow found out that the police were coming to his house set a trap and tried to ambush him that he was waiting in his home with a loaded gun to shoot the police. That is what the prosecution attests. I'm going to tell you something I did at the end here, but I want to get through all these facts. So law enforcement allegedly found traces of white powder on his apartment floor, in his car and in his trash. Now he was not charged with any drug crimes. Okay. And he has been waiting for this trial for almost a decade. He has been sitting in jail waiting. So maybe he did have cocaine, but he wasn't dealing cocaine or they would have found it. So last week he was found guilty of murder and they they had three options. The options were capital murder, murder, or manslaughter. And they came back with murder. The jury deliberated for six hours, and they are actually sentencing today. We are recording oh my on God. Monday. Now, before I tell you what I did, I want to tell you and ask you this question, because do you know what the clincher witness was for the prosecution? Tell me. His widow. Her name was Holly, and she was called to the stand and, you know, said- Wait, 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 wait. The the officer's widow. The officer's widow, Holly, was the last person to testify about how he was such a wonderful man. And he worked for the service for 18 years. And in my research, Mm -hmm. he does seem like a very stand-up dude. He had a son and a daughter- And he absolutely lost his life. I have respect for all kinds of people. I have respect for the good guys. I am not one of those people that hates all cops. Mm -hmm. Loss of life is absolutely tragic. But I'm wondering, what part of the law did his wife serve to testify other than to leave the jury with that tug on their heartstrings because she had no information, any valid information to contribute to the case. Why do you think other than emotions, she would have been called to testify for the prosecution? Oh, that is the only reason. I mean, she, look, uh, witnesses are supposed to testify to facts. She has, there's no fact evidence she could give unless she was standing there when all this happened or unless he called her and with his dying word said, 
so-and-so shot right at me and now I am dying. You know what I mean? Like there's just, there's no factual evidence she could give. That was complete. I'm surprised. I'm, I, I'm, I mean, I'm assuming that the defense did object to presenting this witness. Usually the judge will be like, well, what's the testimony they're going to offer? Then I'll decide whether or not the witness can testify. The judge was told. And a judge can do whatever the fudge a judge wants. This is the problem. Judges don't always follow the law or procedure. And this seems like an improper witness to me. I mean, I, Listen, yeah. my heart goes out to her. He lost yeah. his life, but not to not to be cold, but that is the risk that a police officer takes. And it is it, that's horrible. I don't want those children to grow up without a dad. It is absolutely so devastating. But how did it, she basically made a victim impact statement and they right. they put it as a, a witness. They they packaged her as a witness. Yeah. I mean, I'm guessing um, since he was recently convicted that that might be an issue that they appeal on. You know? Maybe. I mean, like, it is an appealable, you know, if if there was an objection raised. I want to really quickly talk about the DA because the prosecution was pushing for the death penalty. What? The Jesus. death penalty. And the only reason they horrific. did it was because the trial had been pushed so many times and they were just like, no, this is going to take so long. So his sentencing is today. But... That's what they concluded with. But I want to talk to you really, really quickly because I had some questions. Now, the we listen up. For any of you who are in Bell County, Texas, your district attorney's name is Henry Garza. Now, state attorney, whatever you want to call him. But his job is to correct me if I'm wrong, Rabia, maintain public safety. A DA is there to make sure that criminal activity is accounted for. It's done correctly, prosecuting the right criminals, right? That that all falls under yeah. his umbrella. Now, even though they had witnesses for the defense that came and said that there were several tactical errors in that yeah. SWAT team attack, they still went on with their narrative. Now, I called Henry Garza's office this morning. Of course you did. Okay. <laughs> I want you to hear what his secretary did. Let me just show you because this, I, you know, they they are elected officials. So listen, yeah. I'm their phone number is listed. I'm entitled to call their office. I had questions. I don't, I'm not, I don't know. It probably is because that is one of the things that I'm calling about. So that's um, that's perfect timing. Um, why, why are you calling about this? Because I have questions. Why are you questioning me when I'm perfectly well within my constitutional right to ask questions? If you would like to put this in an email. What is your name? Beep. I'll be that out. I've got your phone number and I will um, find out if. Yeah, because what was the first question you asked though that she's like why 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 are you asking? Oh, I said I have I said I have some I have some questions. I I literally just said I have questions. That's all. That's oh, all I said. Okay, so and you didn't give her any questions. No, okay. and then she said, "I he's in a case pertaining to a shot." police officer and I officer. said oh the Marvin yeah. Guy case and she said well I don't know I was like bitch Google is free and right. then she did you she knows that's a big case she yeah. did you see her hang up on me she hung up yeah 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 I mean what well, I mean what <laughs> what's she gonna do tell me the email and say goodbye I you, expect you yeah. work for the government I have yeah. a question. He cannot answer my question, but I have absolutely have. He doesn't know I'm not one of his constituents. Like, yeah, I, I absolutely yeah, have yeah. a constitutional right to ask questions. He has a constitutional right to not answer me if it doesn't pertain to me. Yeah. Well, you know, I sh I'm guessing she hasn't gotten a lot of media uh, training, public, you know, whatever, public, what is it called? Public relations training. <laughs> she sounded really like, abdi, 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 abdi. I mean, like, like she, she, you really messed up her but day I just, Ellen. and it was like early in the morning well, so this man is going to be sentenced today he yeah. people are pounding in your home SWAT team he shot in self-defense and he is going to stay in jail his family thought they were getting 
their brother home today. Home, yeah, yeah. You know what um, I think about a lot, like in these cases, is like the police will routinely kill, shoot and kill people they think, you know, are armed and dangerous when they have nothing but like a bag of Skittles in their hand or, right? Like, I mean, this happens all the time. They're completely protected. And the police are supposed to be highly trained in situations like this. But then you have a civilian whose entire house is exploding around them as they are asleep. And you expect them to be like, act like with their full cognitive capacity in that moment. That's what I'm saying. As you're sleeping and everything's exploding around them, any one of us would explode out of bed and grab the first thing we had to defend ourselves. Any one of us. And yet for civilians who are not trained to deal with these kinds of situations, whereas police are, um, you see this over and over again. I mean, like, I, 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 I mean, like I, it's, it's infuriating and you know what? I'm sorry. The jury can go jump off a cliff. They could have, they could have come back with manslaughter. And I think that would have been the closest to fair, but even that's not murder. fair in this case. Murder. Yeah. Because they told I mean, I look, him he I, was sitting there waiting. He somehow found out that the police were coming after him. He was not even charged with any drug related crimes. I listen. I yeah, I, mean, I am sorry for that. That that man lost his life. He was a dad. That is tragic. But putting that yeah. man in jail for defending himself does not bring that man back. I mean, we all remember Breonna Taylor's Bre- case, right? I mean, like it's so- the first thing I thought about was Breonna Taylor. Yeah, it. Yeah. I could not believe it. I hope. I hope. I'm sure they will appeal it. I'm hoping the conviction will get overturned. But. But Listen, it's hard. All, this it's is really hard. this just reminds me about you have said it a million times. Elect there are so many elected officials that people just like pass on the ballot page. Mm-hmm. You know, and you don't At the end of the day, this DA had all the power to decide what to charge this guy with, what to ask the jury. And that narrative um, that he chose to go with and bringing up the widow as the last yeah. of all of his witnesses. Don't tell me they weren't leaving the jury, you know, talking about losing her husband of 22 years, of course. talking of course. about their kids, which is yeah. sad. And she is entitled to make a victim impact statement, not a witness. She's not a witness. I do want to go and look up her testimony because I'm wondering if the fact, the fact she could have testified to would have gone to, for example, what kind of officer her husband was, what kind of training he had, something like in a, a wife more- would do that and not like a captain of the PD or someone with law enforcement experience. I mean, that is more proper, but I'm wondering if that's how they got her in. I'm just like, how did they get her in? Like, what did they, how, what, what is the case they made to the judge and say, this is why she's relevant to this? I don't know. Although they might have not, and the judge just didn't care because if the judge, if the judge is a really pro law enforcement officer judge, then they're just not going to, they, they want to throw the book at you anyway. So, yeah. So Ooh. I'm definitely going to be looking for his sentencing and I will come back with that. But they were, the family was really, really thinking it was going to go um, another way. And I, listen, if you are in, in Texas, Bell County, make some noise. Because there are people out here. You have power. You can vote these people out. And sometimes these are tiny little elections where like 200 votes can make all the difference. I'm not not kidding. It's it's amazing um, if you realize how much power these folks have. Yeah. Also, that woman can choke for hanging up on me. I was very – I was perfectly lovely. I'm never rude. I wonder if other people want to make a phone call to her. Um, Anyway, well, you're going to ruin her week, girl. You're going to ruin her week. She's going to be – she's still thinking about you, Ellen. But the thing I, is, I I'm going to make the call. You, 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 all yeah. she could have said was email him, have a nice day. She's entitled to say that, you know? But yeah. anyway. All right. So we'll wrap up with this one. It's two stories, but it's part of the same story. And that story is that um, generally speaking <laughs> – uh, hate crimes reporting, like it's hate crimes are just kind of been spiking for quite a while now. Um, like in t- 2022 last year, um, they went up 7% between 2014 and 2022. They've been, according to the FBI, they've been up 50%. And I bring this up because the ongoing, uh, conflict slash massacre in, um, Gaza and Israel, um, is 
really pushing both anti-Semitic um, hate crimes and uh, anti-Muslim hate crimes. Just last night, three students in Burlington, Vermont, three college students who were just visiting the city because it was the holidays, they are of Palestinian descent, two are American citizens, one is a resident, um, were wearing that, you know, the, the scarf, the Palestinian keffiyeh, mm -hmm. it's, it's that checkered yep. black and white scarf, um, and a white guy shows up and shoots him, uh, fired four rounds, point blank. Um, all three so far are... Have, I mean, they, nobody died there in critical condition, I think, is what I last heard. They were just walking down the street, um, and this guy showed up. He said nothing. He just shot, and he's being looked for. He fled on foot. Um, I don't think it's a coincidence that these three young men were wearing the keffiyeh, and that's what happened. And then a couple of days before that, this is actually batshit. We've, I've been watching these videos for the last two weeks. There's some, this guy named Stuart, hold on a second, Stuart Seldowitz, okay? He is not only, he was a former Obama official. He was a acting director for the South Asia Bureau at the National Security Council, a career State Department official. You think somebody with that much foreign experience, foreign policy, uh, you know, diplomacy experience is going to be, you know, pretty broad-minded. He apparently walked past, there's like in New York, some halal cart. Mm -hmm. Yeah. Oh, you know, the halal carts are everywhere, right? That video right? went viral. It, was, it went quite viral. Yeah. So he, every time he'd show up, I mean, like this poor guy's just trying to make his sandwiches, his gyros, whatever, shawarmas. And he would just keep going on and on saying horrible things like 4,000 dead Palestinian babies. That's not enough. I mean, really saying some horrible things to this one poor guy who just was like there every day. And he, the guy's being really polite to him saying, please go, I'm working. Anyhow, he was actually arrested and charged with, he pled not guilty, but um, he was charged with two counts of fourth degree hate crime stalking and second degree of aggravated harassment. He was re released without any bail because of course he would be. But um, you know what? I what I what I love about the story is the fact that in one of those videos he goes, I can say what I want. I'm an American citizen. You go back to Egypt and the Maturat, like the, the the police will get you. And this this bitch got arrested for the shit he was saying. <laughs> it was really aggressive. Ooh. And he was kind of doing it very snarky. It was very holier oh, yeah. than thou. Like, do yeah. you speak English? Like it was very condescending. It was really shitty. So it was like he was kind of smiling, which made it a little demonic because he, he seemed dement. He seemed crazy. Yes. Like his he had crazy eyes. He had crazy yes. eyes. And you see um, shit like that in New York all the time. Like New York is sure. full of liberal people and there's also yeah. whack jobs that are, will just yeah. talk and you're like, what are you saying right now? And they're not dangerous looking, whatever that means. Like he's like an right. old like dude you'd see on the Upper West Side. Yeah. He looked perfectly. I mean, like I look at him and I think, yeah, he looks like somebody who works for the State Department as a career official. <laughs> you know, he just looked very normal. Normal. But anyhow, um, that is another fuck around and find out story that we got. Yeah. Today, so let's see what happens to him. There's a lot of people in that stage, in the find out stage. Yeah. Um, which That's what we're here this for. This is what we're here for. <laughs> but I think that wraps it up for this episode of About Damn Crime. And if you mm. ever have a story you would like for us to cover that is local to you or you think should get a little bit more attention or that you just find fascinating, you can always DM us. You can send us messages on our Facebook group. You can also post it in our Facebook group to get those discussions going. And what else can they do, Ravia, to engage and interact with us? Take it away. You got this. They could, they could join our Patreon. Um, we have all kinds of levels. And they could join us on uh, live, hey, like watching look, okay, shows look together. At, look at the camera. Look at the camera. <laughs> look at the camera. And don't, then don't say, put me um, on the spot every, don't say, every um, because then we're going to. I don't know why I don't write this down. And then. Um, Okay. Follow us on social media, on Instagram. Um, we don't tweet a lot anymore, do we, Ellen? No. Not really. Um, oh, yeah. YouTube. Our YouTube channel. What? Yeah, you tell can't me, tell say me what. um. Stop saying um. Okay. We're just going to edit that out. You're no, gonna edit that no. Out. No. Okay. Jeff doesn't always edit it out <laughs> and then I lose my mind. <laughs> I need you all to subscribe. Listen, Christmas is around the corner. I do not celebrate. By the way, I got to tell you a story about Yasin before we end. So Yasin, our, our neighbors all got the Christmas lights up. Yasin, my son, who's six years old, is like, Mama, the only two holidays I celebrate are Halloween and Christmas. And I go, we don't celebrate Christmas, Yasin. And he goes, you don't celebrate Christmas. I celebrate Christmas. I'm like, 
all right, bring it. <laughs> so anyhow, all I want for Christmas is our uh, our ratings to go. We have like a, why do we have a 4.3? What is wrong with people? Get out there. Go subscribe, rate, review. Give us a five stars. I don't Get out look there. at you love the us. reviews, but a lot of it is probably. I don't read them. Uh, it's probably Scott Peterson. We got slammed with those one stars. There was like a hundred one star yeah. reviews from the Scott Peterson. Like in one day. Yeah. 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 So um, if you love us, get back on there. And I think you can do it over and over. Like every day, just go in and be like, I don't what did I brush can. my teeth? I don't have think my you breakfast. can review it more than once. Can you? I don't know. I don't know. But do Try. it. Review us five stars. <laughs> and if you don't have five stars to give, go find another podcast that you want to talk shit about. I'm sure there's tons of them. But I, I will take it from here, Rabia. You can find us, Thank Rabia you. and Ellen, on all platforms. We are most active on Instagram and our Facebook group. Our Facebook group is a closed discussion group. It is a private group. It is really just lovely. We chat. Sometimes we talk about silly stuff. A lot of times we talk about true crime and what we covered in the episode. And we do. We take a lot of the stories from you. And we just love engaging with you. And we have some fun stuff coming up. Are we going to plan a tour, Rabia? Sure. Let's start that rumor. So That's, be sure. No, no. We're, we're just manifesting. We're putting it out in the universe. I want the tour bus. I just really want a tour bus. And I want to be trapped in a tour bus with Ellen and other podcasters. It's going to be amazing. But thank you so yeah. much for tuning in to About Damn Crime this week. Be sure you tune in next week where we talk with Hillary Burton about her favorite case. And let me tell you, this woman, she knows just as much of oh. us, if not more, about her case. Oh, no, no, no. So you're not going to want to visit. We were, me and Ellen were like, tell us more. Tell us more. <laughs> it was amazing. <laughs> Thank you so much. I love you, Rabia. Love all you guys. Right. Love you, Ellen. Bye, Bye guys. <laughs>